is that narcissists will love their image over reality. Have you ever had someone tell you that narcissistic abuse isn't real? Maybe you've had someone that says like, you know, that's just a communication issue or you all just have marriage problems or you're all just struggling in the relationship or maybe it doesn't really exist the way you're thinking it does. A lot of times when we talk about narcissism and we start to get into different realms of thought, it becomes to the place where people start discounting or thinking that it doesn't exist or maybe that it doesn't is not real to them. One thing that I've noticed in working with a lot of different people and because my background is a lot of times we see that with Christianity, with different types of religion that actually look at mental health in negative light and say, it doesn't really exist. There's things you have to do. It's just pride. And a lot of times people come to the table and be like, narcissism is only pride. Like this is all it is. Like they just need to you know, get better. Like they just need to love God more. They just need to do whatever it might need to be to be able to fix it, repent and fix. Okay. But a lot of times people end up putting it in like a box or putting in an idea of like, Hey, this is what it is. Right. And they discount any other aspects of it. Well, today I want to talk to you a little bit about it. And some of it's just my perspective and my view, uh, as coming from a Christian background and working through some of the aspects of religion and some of the aspects of mental health and trying to make sense of it. And trying to put pieces together. And you might be struggling with this. This might be something that you're going through. Or maybe you're the one that's going through the divorce. Or through the, the crazy making and wondering like, wait a second. Like what is actually real? What makes sense? And then how does this match up to my belief system? Well, if you guys are new here, my name is Ben Taylor. I'm a self-aware narcissist on this platform to provide awareness, growth, healing, and change. We do it by dropping nuggets of truth every single day on all the different platforms. So if you don't follow us already, check out TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Just look up Raw Motivations. If you're listening today on the podcast, like, rate, review. Really do appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we're on either Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Feel free to check that out. Uh, listen away just to be able to help spread awareness to as many people as possible. People keep asking for the White's perspective. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to our new podcast, completely different podcast, it's called Trauma, Drama, and Life. Just type it in trauma, drama, and life. It's from my perspective, Ben Taylor, and my wife's perspective, Kayla Taylor. We're excited to be able to share just a small slice of our lives with you and be able to share some of the experiences that we've been going through over the past several years that have brought us to this place of where we are now, what we've been working on, all different types of stuff. So new episodes drop on that every single Monday. Love to have you download the NARC app. Just go to narcapp.com, N-A-R-C-A-P-P, narcapp.com, stands for Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Community, community of like-minded people to help you grow, heal, and change. Get advice, track your no contact, be accountable to people inside the group, and log on to our weekly lives, our monthly Zoom calls with survivors from all across the globe to help them grow, heal, and change. Get discounts on coaching, on one-on-ones, schedule one-on-ones with different coaches. All types of stuff that are on set in, in the app that we're excited to be able to produce and be able to have a resource for you to be able to start that process of healing, growing, and changing. If you want to interact with me, go to rawmotivations.com. Would love to talk to you. Would love to help you out any way that I can. Okay? So oftentimes... What I've seen is getting into different spheres of different religion, of different Christianity that I've grown up in, a big aspect of it with not just society, but also the the Christianity part is they don't really view mental health. Uh, a lot of it ends up being something that is discarded or is like, that doesn't really exist. 
Like, have you ever had the time where like you're struggling with something, maybe with an anxiety or maybe something like that? And someone's like, you know, the, the mental health aspect of it like doesn't really exist. Like you just have sin in your life. Like there's just something that's keeping you from God. There's just something that's keeping you from whatever's going on. And that's the sole reason. That's the only reason. Do I think at times there's attributes of that? Yes. But I think a lot of times people look at mental health and the Christian fears and like, that doesn't even exist. Like that's not even a thing. A lot of times they just try to tie it back to something that needs to be fixed in that person. Maybe that maybe someone is struggling with an aspect of fear or worry or a different anxiety or different phobias or things like that. And sometimes people will end up just saying like, well, you know, you're just disconnected from God. Like you just don't know like who you are. You just don't know like God's plan for you. You need to love God more. You need to do this better. Things like that. For me, growing up in a Christian home and going to even like Christian counselors and things like that, the thing that I kept struggling with is I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew cheating on my wife was wrong. I knew lying was wrong. I knew gaslighting was wrong. I knew these things were wrong, but I didn't understand how I was supposed to get better just by loving God because I wasn't at the place to be able to open up my eyes to the shit that I was doing and the things that I was doing inside. The lies that I had were keeping me from my own self-awareness, were keeping me from the aspect of being able to connect with anybody, even God. I think one thing that is important for a lot of people to understand is mental health is real. Narcissistic abuse is real. Fears, phobias, anxiety, etc. There's a lot of different things that people need guidance to help understand and to help grow and change. And a lot of times it can't just be, hey, you need to love God more, but you need to actually have scripted out, hey, this is how you rewire your mindset. This is how you focus on changing what you're focusing on. This is how you end up breaking the rumination cycle. This is how there's a lot of different like tips, tricks, and practices to put into place to help you have the capacity to open up for more healing, for more change. So one of the things I try to do when I work with people is to try to express like, hey, in this moment, you just found out about narcissism. I don't expect you to be healed. I don't expect to be no contact. I expect you just to be able to sit with this and process this for a little bit because you have to be able to process it to be able to start having the capacity to open up to start healing. And then as you start healing, there's an aspect of like, hey, like there's this one aspect of of the trauma bond. You have to be able to start working on rewiring that and taking that off the table so that you have more capacity to be able to heal, grow, and change. A lot of times what happens is you get involved with Christian counselors and specifically like couples counselors. We did an episode on this on Trauma Drama in Life where we talk about our experiences going to two different Christian counselors and how it was very toxic for our relationship because of how they were phrased, because of how it happened, and because a lot of times Christian counselors have no clue about narcissism and also have a bias that the people coming into the room are actively there to try to work on the relationship. And that's not the case in an abusive relationship. It's a facade. It's a fake thing that they put out there. Now, when we talk about pride, a lot of times we're talking about pride in like the bad sense of like pride in excess. You know, we're not talking about just like pride in like accomplishments or like a job well done. And so you see a lot of aspects of narcissism that track back to aspects of pride. The grandiose, like the self-importance, like the idea of, of fantasies, of thinking that they're special, that they're entitled. But then there's also an aspect that is the opposite of that, where they're trying to hide the shame and the guilt that's inside. Ultimately putting up a brand new mask, ultimately putting up something out there that's telling other people, hey, I'm better. 
or I look better, or I'm put together more, or I'm okay. All these different types of things that they put out there to avoid shame. As a result, they'll hide empathy. They'll have guilt, but that'll just run over you. They won't care who they end up hurting. They won't care who ends up getting affected by the guilt that they're feeling. And so as a result, they'll throw that back at you. They'll blame you. They'll rage out at you. They'll try to control the conversation. They'll rage to be able to avoid accountability. And there's a huge aspect that does correlate with pride with the idea of like image obsession. Is that narcissists will love their image over reality. Of like, I have to be able to hide. I have to be able to put this up. But like, I want to be able to put this up because I'm so great. Because I'm so good. Because there's this big aspect of me that has to get filled. Or this void that has to get filled. I'm going to do that by saying, I'm so amazing. You talk, there's talk in, in the Bible of different aspects of pride. And John 2.16 talks about like the pride of life. You know, that aspect of it being one of the sins of like, hey, I am so great. I am so good. Mark 7, 20, 23 teaches that pride comes from within. And I think that's a big aspect that people don't realize just with the aspect of narcissism is it's still a choice. It's still a choice to continue that abusive behavior. It's still a choice from within to be able to say, hey, how am I going to engage with that person today? Yeah, there's trauma. Yeah, there's been abuse. Yeah, there's been different aspects in their life that have molded and formed them to get to this place. But it doesn't mean that they can't make a choice. Every single day, that person makes a choice whether the lover respect you. Every single day, that person makes a choice whether to demonstrate care, whether to demonstrate affection, whether to demonstrate faithfulness. And a lot of times what you see is that choice, that conscious choice not to engage with that. And not to connect with you. I think there's a lot of aspects of narcissism that do stem back to pride. I don't think it's only pride. I think it's a lot more than that. I think it's a lot more that needs to be revealed and dealt with. But it all comes from inside. It comes from that aspect of the shit that's inside. The guilt and the shame that the person doesn't want to deal with. And as a result, they'll put up a mask. As a result, they'll run from it. As a result, they'll try to do anything they can to avoid that accountability, to avoid that responsibility. I think one thing that's also hard in Christian circles is a lot of times you get the impression, you get the idea from a lot of mainstream Christianity that you have to get cleaned up before you can come into that religious aspect, before you can come into Christianity, before you can come to God. You have to make sure that you've had your shower and you don't have those those toxic traits or those sinful things or those broken pieces of you. And there's a huge part that's done a disservice to Christianity and to religion. For me, one of the biggest breakthroughs was actually understanding that I didn't have to come perfect. Because that was the thought process of like, I have to show up a certain way. I have to be a certain way to be accepted, to be loved, for God to accept me or to love me in the state that I was in. And going through Wake Up Warrior and the stuff that I learned in there opened up my eyes to the the lies that I had in myself, the lies that I was having between myself and others, between myself and God, my wife, my work, my coworkers, like all that kind of stuff. Open up myself to the lies because without accepting the truth of the reality, without accepting the truth of what I'm doing, of who I am, there's no chance of connection with my wife, with others, and with God. And for me, I had to come to the place to understand not to stay in the sin, not to stay in the things that I was doing wrong, but to make that choice of like, now I have a choice now that I understand, now that I know it, 
to be able to have that conscious effort, conscious change of behavior and attitude and actions on a day-to-day basis. And I think the biggest thing that resonated with me and that I wrote down in one of my journals one time is God loves me in my shit. And for me, that seemed like an oxymoron to even write that down at that point because it seems so polar opposite. But the idea of like, hey, I can come to the table knowing, hey, this is all the stuff that I've done and I'm still loved, I'm still accepted, and I can still grow, heal, and change. That's a day-to-day choice that has to come from me taking on the mask, being willing to put others in front of me, saying, hey, this person is more important than my needs. This person is more important than my entitlement, than my ego, than my specialness, my enviousness, all this kind of stuff. Then once a person starts to take that away, of take the mask away, of take myself out of the picture to be able to say, hey, I can exemplify and I can love others, that's when they start opening up a possibility of actual real change.